You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What is up, folks? Thanks for spending some time with me today. This episode was a lot of fun, and I want to get right into it, but I got three things I need to get out of the way before we do that, so let's bust through this real quick. First of all, a huge shout-out to everyone who's been using the affiliate links, the ToneMob.com slash Sweetwater and ToneMob.com slash Reverb links. Those are also in the description in case you want to check that later. But yeah, every time you do any shopping through those links, a little bit of your purchase helps the show out. It comes right back directly here and keeps the mics hot and keeps things going. So huge shout out to everyone who's been doing that, especially the Sweetwater one. They've been particularly generous and helpful and supportive of this podcast, especially during this year. So if we could show them some love, that's great. But the Reverb one is also awesome because, let's face it, Sweetwater can't carry everything, and there's a lot of stuff on the used market. Reverb's great for that, and they help out as well. So again, those are ToneMob.com slash Sweetwater and ToneMob.com slash Reverb. Additionally, I want to talk about the text thing again. This has been amazing. This has been so much fun. I'm having a blast talking with everybody. If you text 503-751-8577, That will come right to me, and on that, I'm sending out business stuff, I'm sending out just life stuff, recipes, nerdery, just random things that don't necessarily have anything to do with guitar gear. It's a little bit of a way to take some control back from these algorithms, and additionally, as I found out, there are a ton of people. I've had about 20 people message me directly on there and say, thank you for doing this. I don't have any social media, so I feel like I miss out on a lot of the experience, so... For those of you who are listening that don't have social media, and I don't blame you for that right now, uh, I wish I didn't have social media sometimes, to be totally honest, but it kind of comes with the territory, so I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the good with the bad. But for those of you who are listening to the show and don't have social media and would like to talk to me and get messages directly from me, it's not a bot. The first couple messages are auto generated. Everything else comes right from my thumbs, and the conversation is just between us. So 503. 751-8577. Just text that number and I'll get it. We can start chatting. I'm not sharing this information with anyone. It is strictly so that we can talk to each other without those pesky algorithms getting in the way. And if you ever decide it's not for you, just text stop and then you won't get them anymore. So yeah, that's that. And finally, I wanted to give a shout out to a longtime listener and a longtime Tone Mob supporter, Sonia Leaf. She has a band called Lunch Spectre, and she sent me the link to go check out that band. And if you like things that use a ton of effects and make crazy sounds and make you feel like you're, you know, maybe on some sort of substance in a good way, definitely check out Lunch Spectre. And you can check that out at lunch.band. Just go to lunch.band, and that'll open up a link where you can stream wherever you normally stream. It's everywhere. So check that out. And big shout out to Sonia because she is awesome. All right, with that out of the way, let's jump right into the episode with Conrad and Tobias from Softkill. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have Tobias and Conrad from Softkill. What's up, boys? Yo. What's up? How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's kind of weird that we all live in the same neck of the woods, but we're doing it like this. 
which is uh you know covid I, time but i know uh i mean this has been great for like my anxiety <laughs> not that i have <laughs> crippling anxiety but i'm like oh cool i don't have to see anybody anymore i get to wear a mask in public do little zoom calls and stuff i'm all for it i can definitely get on board with keeping the whole six feet thing forever i'm fine with the six feet thing (laughs) stay away from me yeah agreed absolutely if that's the new normal i'm good with the six feet we'll keep it at that that's good (laughs) stuff but uh let's see i will uh, give a little bit of my story with uh with you guys's band i actually heard uh of you on another podcast local dude dan cable had uh I can't remember which one of you on now because I listened to it so long ago. But that's where I first discovered the band. And I was like, whoa, these guys rule. And they're right here in Portland. And, you know, rolling forward, uh, you guys did a collab with Mr. Black that I want to talk about. And I, you know, talked to Jack all the time. So that was uh, that was cool. And here we are in our own living rooms. or Yeah. We are. Dan Cable is the is the homie. Um. Conrad and I were interviewed by him initially uh, at Pickathon. Okay, okay. And, and he was cool, and he had like a Chicago. I feel like he had a Chicago Cubs tattoo, and I've got a Chicago White Sox tattoo, and that was the connection. It's <laughs> 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 real deep. <laughs> um, and uh, he was just cool, and we like clicked with him, and then yeah, that interview with him was heavy. It was really heavy. I wasn't expecting it. was also like the first time I'd listened to his podcast. I was just exploring for local music podcasts, basically. And I was like, huh, this one looks pretty good. And I was like, oh, I don't know anything about this podcast. I don't know anything about this band, but I'm going to click on it because they're both Portland. He's and he's passionate and like and he's got it dialed in. And I was actually having this conversation Probably with Conrad. <laughs> I don't talk to, talk to like two people a day. Um, the other day, just about how current, like current music journalism, that these these independent platforms like this and like Dan Cable and whatnot seem to be doing such better work, if you can call it that, than um, the blogs that write about stuff that you know we pay publicists to. Mm-hmm shop it too you know what i mean like it seems so phoned in but like everybody that's that's doing this for the right reasons is is really digging in and giving giving good content it's you know for me it's i try to do something that i would like to listen to myself which is probably why i liked dan show so much because it's kind of similar vibe different topics of course but you know very conversational and very just like let's get to know these people type of thing and I, I don't know. I, that's what I like to do. I try to make content in general across all the platforms on uh, just things that I would personally enjoy. I and hopefully other people like it too. And that's my guiding light, I guess. Yeah, I think that's that's like a better uh, model than what do I not care about that people expect to hear about right now? You know, or that right. people you know like what, what you're not like passionate about something like what do you? What are you going to contribute that's going to be interesting? So I think that comes through in the in the conversations, you know, it's like you can tell when somebody's like, "Uh-huh. Tell me about your mother." <laughs> you know, or whatever. But 
Uh-huh. For my listeners that aren't <laughs> <laughs> for my listeners that aren't familiar with you guys, maybe can you give a, a high level overview of your band and your story? You have a you guys have a deep backstory, but maybe we can give the thirty thousand foot view of it. Uh, yeah, uh, God. So I started the band in two thousand ten. And at that moment, I was living in California, and the label that had propositioned the recording of the first record was Portland-based. And it was run by Nathan Howdeshell, who is in The Gossip, who were one of the big bands here years ago. Um, so I started, and I lived here before, but we came up and, and did the record at Jackpot and built a lineup in Portland that despite my many ups and downs that were related to drug addiction um, and just living this total maniac lifestyle um, was always Portland centric. So I, we put up that record. I went super off the deep end and I'm out, out of the picture for a while uh, incarcerated um homeless all sorts of really exciting fun stuff um and when i finally started to kind of stick my head back out and came back out to portland that would have been i guess 2013 2014 um on a serious level is when conrad came into the band and that was probably the start of us being a real band from that point onward What's your story, Conrad? Um, well, I, as it relates to Softkill, Toby and I uh, knew each other since probably the, you know, I don't know, 2005, something like that. Um, we were in bands that toured together that um, kind of like noise, no wave terrible bands um, <laughs> we weren't that bad i swear to god <laughs> uh and so i was aware of uh you know toby and i've been in touch and uh ever since and i i think i moved to portland in 2010 i was we i lived in new york uh until 2009 moved here 2009 2010 and when um when Softkill was kind of ready to reform or or start being active again that's when i joined the band and just and it was like a long time coming there was we had gone through so many people here um if you showed up you could have been in the band because the <laughs> initially it was just, you know, we weren't really playing shows. It was, there was just these impromptu, we're going to rehearse and, and like start learning these songs and maybe there's a new song and, and on and on and on. And uh, it was kind of like that. And then we, we kind of, I kind of always knew, I was just like, God, when's this like Conrad going to be in the band? Um, Cause I don't really know any of these other freaks that keep coming and going. Um, at least I know <laughs> this person. Um, you know, at least we've 
smoked hash in somebody's apartment 10 years ago or something the important stuff and yeah. um it just made sense immediately and it was just one of those things that i did all of the writing for solo for the first record for the most part besides like some of these synth parts and um when conrad came in like i was still doing i was not living in portland i was still doing the writing but when he came into the picture that's when it started to be like oh you know i can i feel safe collaborating with this person and and uh owen who used to be in the band it was just it started to kind of change and, and evolve and to be something that wasn't uh just my mental breakdown through music <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, yeah. And then it's just, you know, we, I, we kind of hit the ground running. We got on tour in 2015 for the first time, late 2015. And I feel like we didn't stop at any point. Like we have every year tried to double what we did the, the year before. Um, we keep releasing records. We've toured Europe like four times in the last two years, the U S twice as many times six to eight months of touring um and just trying to put in that work instead of like sit there and scratch your head and be like what's going on why doesn't anyone write me with this million dollar offer right <laughs> yeah it's it always seems to be you know you kind of to some degree this isn't entirely true but you kind of create your own luck you know to a, to to a certain level you know you have to keep being there and keep putting it out there and keep being present otherwise people forget about you and it's like you never happened in the first place Absolutely. i think a lot of people forget about that yeah there's uh, you know the, the analogy i've heard 40 times in the last because we're about to open a retail store which is probably seems kind of suicidal right now um but I keep hearing, you, you know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, you know, but you also don't make the team if you don't try out. It's just like, I feel like trying out is that like getting out there and not making excuses, um, for the lack of opportunities and, uh, yeah, making your own luck. Just, we kind of got to a point as a band where we had enough belief that what we were doing was unique and it was our own and, we got good enough live that it just seemed like if you put us in a room and we were in front of an audience, we were going to nine times out of 10 leave with a big chunk of new fan base. Um, mm -hmm. That's empowering. So like if you get out there and go on tours where you know that progress is being made, it's a little different than like piling into a van with no money and no budget, no guaranteed pay and, we were able to like, you know, through some trial and error, build it up pretty quickly where it was making sense financially to do this together. And we knew that it was, it was going to pay off at least in some degree every time. That is something about your band. It's not normally a style that I would find myself gravitating towards, but as soon as I heard it for the first time, I was like, whoa, this is cool this is for me, you know, like I was, I was kind of expecting, you know, before I like got through the whole Dan Cable interview, I was kind of expecting like something pretty heavy, honestly, just based on the name and, you know, just the superficial stuff. I was like, Oh, this is probably a pretty heavy band and it's heavy 
lyrically and you know tonally but obviously it's pretty it's pretty catchy it's pretty uh you know it draws you in and it's a very it's you have a really interesting juxtaposition there with the dark and light that i think appeals to a lot of people yeah i i think that uh a big factor in all of it is we this this genre that we're lumped into because god you know music press in general is fairly unimaginative but when it comes to <laughs> what is now more and quickly and quickly becoming less and less of a niche genre but for the long time just you know everyone's lumping you in with joy division and the cure that must be what it is because you guys put a chorus pedal on one time um right <laughs> that what that genre is it's it's very there's a lot of drum machines there's a lot of uh simplicity and coldness uh lack of emotion dare i even say uh kind of like just mundane pointless lyrics um and you know for us it was just like i'm i'm personally talking about some very heinous dark stuff um I'm not trying to entertain an audience. I'm therapeutically processing grief, um, which I think comes out genuine. And musically, we are a guitar band that is trying to play rock and roll instead of trying to uh, deconstruct it, which is like, you know, what Joy Division did. Um, It's what a lot of these bands do. Like, I feel like, there's as much Tom Petty um, in a lot of our tones and our approach as there is the care personally. So it's all just about like taking the approach of what I think is classic rock and roll um, and putting that through the filter of some of the stuff of the genre that we get lumped into. And I just think that that uniqueness is something that's, that's kept us apart. And Conrad and I both have very unique, uh, guitar styles that come from a different direction and the way that those weave together is just like you know different than playing a single note melody through a chorus pedal and a reverb pedal over uh, a monotonous bass line you know what i mean right right conrad what are some of your influences um i mean early early on i i got i was really into sonic youth um which kind of like is where um like a lot of my interests when i started playing guitar kind of came from that um i would like try to play along with sonic youth records in my room which was insane to try to do because i had like a guitar plugged into a practice amp and i was just like i don't know you know i still don't know how to read music or i just play by ear pretty much you know um but uh I kind of forgot what the question was. Um, <laughs> what are your influences? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Smoking that hash again. <laughs> I was going to say that hash from 2010 coming it's up. It's still hitting. Um, yeah, you know, there's like Sonic Youth, uh, Elliot Smith. Um, I don't know. I don't... 
I'm, I, I, I don't know. Um, My Bloody Valentine early on, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, bands, I know. bands that play messed up guitar sounds, it sounds like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Unique approaches. Which is always a solid place to start. The Jesus Lizard was a big one early on, too. Um, yeah, just kind of like I'm messed up because uh, I'm not, sp- not going to say that other word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, messed up. Yeah, we can go with that. That works for me. So let's talk. Uh, I know you guys are just from texting with Tobias for just a few days. Like you're as nerdy, nerdy about the gear stuff as I am. I don't even know where to start when it's uh, when I meet somebody that's as passionate about this stuff as I am. And, you know, has it, we instantly start talking about 55 juniors and, and things like that. It makes <laughs> me wonder, though, like what was the first because, you know, you went through some some dark times where I imagine a 55 junior wasn't accessible at no. the time. What, uh, what was the first like good guitar that you had coming out of that time frame? Uh, so the first guitar, the guitar that I wrote the first soft kill album on was a early eighties, maybe like an 81 Yamaha SG 800, which was just like a, a slightly stripped down version of the 1000. So okay. that double cut, pointy Les Paul essentially that Yamaha was making. Um, you know, it's like a, a $500 guitar at that time, but it felt perfect. Like it just felt, um, it's weird. It's got, because, you know, I think I sold it for like a freaking eight ball of meth or something crazy. And I don't, I've never bought another one since just cause like there's this stigma attached to it. Um, right. But it's, you know, what I was just, it was one of those, those Japanese built uh, Gibson killers or whatever nerds call them, um, which are just all such phenomenal guitars, all those Bernies and specific Grecos and whatnot. Um, totally. Yeah, that was, that was my first, uh, for this band, I started out with, with a pretty cool one. When things started like hitting better. What was the first like? I'm gonna I'm gonna get me a nice vintage, whatever it is, because I know you got a bunch this year. Ah, uh, so I would say the game changer for me, and it wasn't vintage, was that I was I was living in Chicago and I didn't even have a guitar, and Conrad bought me a I want to say it was like a 2012 Gibson Firebird. Um, mm. I used it for one show and was like, this is a really long guitar. That was like my only, <laughs> when I took away from playing it for one show, I was like, this guitar is long. Um, and I traded, I traded that guitar for like an early 2000s Gretsch 58 version of the Country Gentleman, which it's like the single cut painted F hole. Um, not yeah. the George Harrison style. It's the the Chet Atkins earlier one. Uh, that was the first really nice guitar that I owned um, in this chapter of my of my life. Um, and then I think the first nice vintage guitar that I bought when we started kind of doing good was like a '71 Les Paul Custom. Ooh, it was oh, cool. Nice. We loved that guitar. It? 
Nah, yeah. that one's gone. Um, oh, flew the coop. It got, these things are like, you know, I was talking to Will at Thunder Road like yesterday, and I think I was trying to like find somebody to validate the reckless. I, I don't want to even say that I'm reckless at this point, but I am constantly, we're both constantly just like, should we trade this for this? Should this be that? Because, you know, the room of guitars, I feel like, is collectively ours. And where we do view these instruments as like, what are the tools that we need to create records and exactly. be inspired, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's certain just like, what's redundant? What do we need? Like, you know, six. There's like four jazz masters right now. Like, does there need to be four jazz masters? Um, those types of that type of stuff. But he was just like, you know, this is how you start out. You get the refinished ones or the ones with the headstock repair. And you get like three or four of those. And then you go, hey, this is what I really want. You trade those three for the next thing and you go up and then you buy, you know, and, and, it, and it grows and changes. And I kind I of feel, feel like, like also, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry no, you go, you go. I have nothing. Uh, else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like there's an element to like, uh, you get a, you get a, a new guitar, a new tool into the studio and you maybe kind of like get the use out of it that you need or the inspiration out of it that you need. And then it's like, okay, that one served its purpose. Now we can put it towards this other new thing. That's going to like spark this other idea or this other inspiration. And so it's like, not like they're disposable, but like, kind of like once they serve their purpose, you can kind of like trade them up for some, for some new, uh, new piece or new tool or whatever. And there's just certain ones that, you know, you, you latch onto them and you go, Oh, this isn't going anywhere. Like there's the Gretsch that I mentioned. I'll never get rid of that guitar. Um, it does what it does perfectly. Um, but God, I would say every other guitar doesn't make it Mm -hmm. in the room. You know what I mean? Like it's there for a second and it does exactly what Conrad said. It's like, we write a crazy song and we go, man, that sounds nuts. And then, you know, you, you realize how loyal you are to specific instruments. The second, like a store in town gets some crazy piece and you're like, uh, I will try. I will get rid of that in a heartbeat. Like, I don't care. (laughs) I need that. What he has, I need it. Um, and, yeah, and also, too, you know, th- something I keep trying to remind myself is that I think the constant hunt is therapeutic for me. As it, I think my wife thinks that it's the root of some mental illness. Um, <laughs> but I think that, like, it's, it's something that kind of keeps me grounded. And I appreciate these instruments. And I do like thinking about taking something that I love and then setting it back out there and then somebody else doing something completely different with it. Like I'm okay with these things having, you know, multifaceted existences, not just like sitting in the corner of my room being neglected by me. You mentioned something that reminded me of a conversation I had earlier this year. And there seems to be a thread running through all of this that, that might, your wife might be onto something. Because I, I actually I recorded an episode. Please, actually don't, the last please don't say that on. The, <laughs> <laughs> hey, can we hey, edit, guy? Who's, who's editing? Uh, who's editing this? At twenty three fifty eight. At twenty three fifty eight. You might like this. You're you're in some decent company here. So I I did an interview 
Uh, it was actually the last in-person interview that I did before everything shut down. It was with uh, Dave Hawes. Uh, he used to play in a band called The Loved Ones, and he's been doing a lot of solo stuff. Uh, he was ta- We were talking about vintage Les Paul Juniors and how amazing they are. And he oh. was talking to uh, him and Brian Baker from uh, Bad Religion. He loves is also those a things. Huge, yes, he loves those, and they're friends. Uh, they toured together and all that stuff. And the, both both of those guys uh, are recovering addicts as well. And so Brian found him a a, a Les Paul Jr. In, in some city they were in. And they were driving to go get it. And and Brian looked at him and he was like, do you feel that? And, and Dave's like, oh, yeah. I yeah, feel it right now and you haven't even said it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, yeah. Yeah, I do. He's like, it feels like we're about to sc- go score some coke. And he's like, yeah, it does. <laughs> and they went and got this vintage Les Paul Jr. And I was like, I don't know what that's like, but I do know that feeling of going to get a sweet vintage guitar and like being super jazzed about it. And oh, if that's what that's like. So real. And just this like <laughs> pulling the trigger on spending way too much money just feels freaking sick. I saw the 55 Jr. Mm-hmm. that I just got. We had a window where Conrad and I like went over to Thunder Road again. Thunder Road and Black Book. Amazing um, stores. Amazing. Those are those are like shout out to both of those places. They have embraced us and shown us uh incredible generosity and mercy <laughs> in our in our <laughs> search. Um but I, we slipped over there, and he had gotten two juniors, and he had gotten a 63 Polaris White SG Junior and a 55 oh. uh, Sunburst. And the Polaris White, you picked up the SG. Oh, this is cool. Picked up the 55, and like Connor just gave me this look and was like, Phew. like this is the, <laughs> this one is of a tier far above it, um, you know, overlooking the heavens, and. It was just like, boom, what, what do you want to do? Well, 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 I got this to trade. And that okay, cool. And we just like, we're in the car, drove to the space. I had a 62 double cut special. We had like a 2003 um, gold top custom shop, you know, R7 gold top. It just felt so good to just put those things in the case. Loved both of those guitars. Put them in the cases, bring them, set them loose like dogs in that store and then take this new <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It, it's such a rush. It's so similar to playing craps, I guess. Um, it's completely unhealthy. God, she was right. No, it's <laughs> yeah. It feels it feels sick. The hunt feels sick, and God, dude, juniors just like have become. They always were such an integral part of uh, my identity in terms of loving guitars, but I don't think it was till this year. And obtaining an Esquire and then obtaining the 55 Junior that we really understood that these stripped down single pickup guitars were the top tier um, instruments um, for rock based music. Just capable of so much more than the limited nature that's associated with them, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially those those early juniors, man. I just, ah, uh, every time I see one, I'm just like, I like when I interviewed Dave. I saw, saw it sitting there on the stage during sound check. I'm like, that's a vintage junior. 
I'm like, well, I'm going to definitely talk to him about that vintage junior. And then without even me having to bring it up, he's like, <laughs> he's so I got like, this junior here. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, I got this guy coming to interview me about my junior. You know, yeah. like that's the concept mentally. No, I mean, pretty much, pretty much I was. So that's cool. The 50, the 54s <laughs> to the 56s where the bridge, the lower uh, screw on the bridge is really close to the pickup. Those are the ones for the mm-hmm. single cuts. And then I'm God, dude, I'm like about to just let go of a bunch of stuff to get a 60 double cut TV yellow. Um, oh, is that that one you sent me the picture of? Yeah, it's just it's gonna happen. So, mm. um, and that's and I'm letting I'm letting go of like some stuff. Um, but this, these things just like they just ch- they changed my approach to guitar completely. Um, I think they've changed both of us. P90s in general have this this like. They're just so there's a depth to them and and this versatility again that I think is ignored by a lot of people. Um and it's strange to think that a wraparound tailpiece and one pickup like are the the superior design in the same way that people look at skateboards and the popsicle shape that they introduced in the nineties. They're like, we've done it, it's the end. Where do you go? Okay, well, they, like, figured that out in, like, 1954. That's depressing. Um, You know, just for everybody that's got ideas past that. But, like, that's the real. I love Jazzmasters. I love Les Ball Customs with Bigsby's. And, like, there's all these guitars that are are so just we talk about them all the time. But, dude, I mean, Juniors and Esquires, like, that's it. It's it's the business. It just uh, I'm just uh, I'm going to play mine later. <laughs> Have you ever tried? I I thought that this was kind of a bunch of nonsense, but I tried it and I realized that it's not. And so maybe, you know, we just need to pay attention to those that uh, that have great tone, I guess. But you tried the what I call the Mike Ness trick with a junior yet where you uh you tune it down to D standard. Oh, and put the capo. Oh, yeah. And we put the capo on. Yeah. We were just talking about this because I've got super bad arthritis and I feel like my comfort zone on the neck starts at like the third fret. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've thought about like, oh, doing that just to like have my hand placement in there. Because first of all, I don't I think there's one song where I go past the 12th or 14th fret. You know, like I'm not mm-hmm. going down there. I heard this joke a long time ago. I don't know that this was real, but about like that dude, one of the dudes from Anthrax tried to do a, a, uh, a signature guitar and then fret stopped at the 14th fret. And he was just like, oh, yeah, you don't, yeah, I don't go past that. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I think the guitar came out or maybe like I made that up. But I was like, I was like, that's insane. And then it's like, no, really, I don't. It's, you know, just up there is it. And, I've heard it does. I've heard Mike Ness and that I heard they said that there's something to the string tension or I don't know what it is that like makes it makes it sound a little better. I've put this out there in the world a few times and I've gotten a few different responses. And of to course. me, the thing that, that makes the most sense is that you're actually changing the scale length of the string. 
So it's tuned the same, basically, but you're actually operating on a shorter scale length, and that's why it sounds different. But I, I tried it being very skeptical. I was like, ah, this doesn't make a lot of sense. But I'm telling you, man, it sounds different. <laughs> like, if, like different, but like you are hooked on that sound or just like another? Yeah, I leave, I leave mine in D standard, and I'll play it in D standard all the time just because it sounds cool tuned down like that. Yeah. And then when I want to go standard, I just capo it up, and I'm like, man, this sounds good. Mike was right. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. That dude that is, what's the other guitar player's name? Jimmy? In Social D? Yeah. What's the... uh, it? Johnny Two Bags. John, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm not going to say bags. that out loud. Um, <laughs> that guy has incredible taste in guitars. And dude, their tone is sick. You know, Social Distortion is like a band that I have appreciated. I got, you know, the, my first tape by them when I was like 12, 13 years old. And I think my friends immediately were like, this is not mean enough sounding but i liked it um lately i've been appreciating it much more we got this person in the band that joined uh named ryan who's from orange county and i just maybe he's like being driven crazy by this but i keep kind of just pretending that he's like based his life on Mike Ness, which he clearly hasn't. It's just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just like, that's the hazing process. It's just like, he plays my Gratch. He plays it real low. He's got his hair kind of slicked back. I'm like, oh yeah, dude, you look like Mike Ness. And he's like, yeah, I get it, dude, Orange County. And I'm like, I was like, we should just like put Costa Mesa and stickers across the guitar. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, which I'm totally down to do. Um, but yeah, that like that man, that band's just got like I feel just comforted by them. Like I watch their rig rundowns and I'm like, oh cool. Like ten years we'll probably be like still going and really happy and stuck in our little each of our little niches and you know, have nine of one guitar, hopefully. I want nine juniors. So <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> Conrad needs like nine casinos or ES three thirties. I don't. What are you obsessing over right now, Conrad? Es three thirties right now, which is also funny because I, I just read this uh, the other day about um, Elliot Smith showing up to a recording session with five guitars, and he's like, you know, these are the guitars I'm going to use for the recording session, and they were all just Es three thirties. They're like, <laughs> they're like, he had like three. 62s and like a 64 and a 67 or whatever but the engineer was like these are the same guitar like he's like you know we can use these are great or whatever but we really kind of only need one of these yeah no no we need all of them yeah correct (laughs) they're also different too and i also the the junior thing in the northwest is this interesting spinoff is that all of these there's like a secret society in the northwest of junior lovers um oh yeah and black book is is like a center point in this equation i just i hear some wild stories which um maybe i'll leave some mystery um but there's just like i feel like a lot of just like a lot of good juniors have come through and the the ones that weren't great have been weeded out and the there's 
select ones pass through different people's hands all the time. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Because as fickle guitar players, like there's one day I'll pick up a guitar I know I love and I'll be like, I don't want that anymore. Um, and this stuff happens. And I, it's again, going back to that, like letting go of something that you take great comfort and love in uh, to give yourself grief and then to keep the hunt going. And so when I got this 55, I posted about it like on the internet and then I freaking met like three people that owned it at one point. Oh, wow. And they all were, they were all crying about the loss of it. They're like, ah, oh, that one. Oh, I let that go. Cause that was the last one that I'd got, you know, I have 12 of them. Um, it, actually this, this really cool dude from Idaho. Um, and he, I was talking to him about it and I was like, listen, man, this is going to sound crazy. Like we got this 55 junior. We love it. Do we need a double cut junior too? And he was just like, they're different. They sound different. And I'm like, okay. And it, he could have been like, they're bad. But I was just like, they're different. We're getting one. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, it's already play. happened. You know, <laughs> chill out, David. Um, and- chill, Dave. Come on, Dave. What do you know about it? Yeah. And he's just like, you asked me this. And I'm like, okay. So, um, yeah, that, you know, just, God, dude, just, can we just talk about juniors? No, but yeah, three thirties. That's funny. Cause casinos are like, that's another, this like Gibson Epiphone split thing. That's another interesting thing where it's like the, the three thirty to me has always been the cooler guitar, the casino the Epiphone version of it, the casino is the more valuable one. I don't want an Epiphone casino. I want a Gibson 330. Yeah, um, for sure. The Gibson headstock's cooler, and they're just—it's just a unique thing. And 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 if you don't love guitars, and once you get into the three, the ES three, whatever's nine times out of ten, someone's like, "Which one is that?" Because <laughs> there's so many, and they none of them make sense. You know what I mean? Um, but I've, I, Conrad, when he started out in this band, used a couple cheap hollow bodies. And it's kind of been like, I've always kind of wondered, like, when is he going to go back to that? And the 330's got P90s. Ding, mm-hmm. ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Um, yeah, baby. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it just feels like that's it. Like, that might, that's on our list. We're hunting that. It's coming home soon wherever you are <laughs> you keep talking about black book and every time you say it i'm staring like behind my microphone where i record is my my uh, 74 tele custom that i picked up at black book when they were a lot smaller yeah and i'm just like when this podcast is over i'm gonna plug that thing in <laughs> and just yeah. turn up really loud for just a minute just because i keep, keep looking at it mm. What's cool about that place, what's cool about both of those stores is they're both small, so they both have to have every piece of wall space count. And I feel like every guitar I pick up in there, even if it's not the guitar for me, I'm like, this is a great specimen of that particular instrument. Totally. Um, totally. We had a, we have a 75 Tele Custom that may or may not be in the mix anymore. But it's there's just... Black book's cool. What did we buy from there recently? Um, 
a 72 jazz bass. Oh, the jazz bass. Ooh. Um, and it had been like jockoed out. Somebody took the pick guard off and it's all messed up and cool. Um, it's, I just like going into that place. And what's cool here is, you know, once you spend as much money as we've spent, um, it's not that these are uh, unapproachable situations like that you can't go in and, and have a good conversation with either of these people, but we've spent enough money that I feel like we've established like a cool rapport and we have fun going into these stores. It's not, I've, I like to walk in and go, any of this is obtainable. You know, like we, we want something enough, like we'll get it. And that makes it fun. Um, mm -hmm. Which years ago, that was definitely not the case. If there was a guitar worth over a thousand dollars in the mix, like, you were bringing it back to whoever owned it afterwards. You know what I mean? Right. Like, um, and yeah, Portland's Portland's been blessed in that. There was so many stores at one point, and they've all kind of fizzled away. So we try to shop local. I try to buy guitars online as rarely as possible. So yeah, we are lucky. We we have a handful of really great stores that I, when I talk to other people, I'm like, oh, you don't have like a black book and they're like no i live in you know the middle of idaho like we don't yeah. have that here so I, we're kind of spoiled and i have to remember that sometimes and and you know conrad and i think both things that we can relate on are that we both lived in new york city early on and our discovering of of you know the adult side of obsessing over this stuff and when you live in new york city in that era so this would have been early 2000s you've got 48th street guitars you've got rudy's you've got 30th street guitars rivington guitars rivington, chelsea yeah. guitars uh ludlow guitars um it just and it was all juniors and jazz masters so you go into 30th street guitars and they have nine custom colored jazz masters in a row no. yeah and you're I'm just weak. yeah and you're just like oh how much are these they're like two thousand eight hundred dollars and you're like damn it that's so expensive you know like for a custom color 63 jazz master and it's holy smoke so now you're like oh it's that's 15 grand okay yo yeah. shout out every one of those stores that had to give me a straight face when i was like yeah i'm thinking about picking this up you know and then i as i walk out i've got your card as i Go climb back into my cardboard box. Right. <laughs> <Metaphorically>. <laughs> like, oh my God. Um, yeah, these and these so these stores here locally are are if you're like a musician that wants to buy rare stuff and start collecting or just play vintage, which there's great current boutique luthier guitar makers and there's cool custom shop stuff happening from Fender and Gibson. But personally just I want to play old guitars that are uh, messed up and and loved. You know, that's like I see a beat up guitar and I'm like, that got s smacked around a lot for a reason. Right, right. The closet queens are probably cl closet queens for a reason. Those scare me. Sometimes they're great, but more often than not, they just weren't. You know, they didn't get played for. You know, they didn't sound that good. It's just <laughs> probably why. It just helps yeah. you feel comfortable playing something when it's already, uh, when it's already kind of in a state of having been played. 
for sure. You know, oh, popping open a case and it's like a oh pristine, you know, sixty-five jasmine, you know, whatever it is. Like you're yeah. like, okay, I'm also not going to touch this. You know, right? <laughs> no, totally. <laughs> and it's they're just not the same. I just there's I don't know. I, I saw jazz masters because of Sonic Youth, so you see them, yeah. and you'll know, never find one that messed up. Um, but I definitely was just like more drawn to the ones with. What I hate these two words, patina and mojo, um, <laughs> or vibe. I don't, and I, and calling guitars a piece, all that stuff. It's just like, no, this is a guitar. It's not a girl, and it doesn't have a name, and it doesn't have mojo. It's <laughs> you know, it's just like it's got a story, Joe Bonamassa or whatever. But <laughs> it's it is definitely. Um, you know, it's just, it's, is what it is. It's not like all this other goofy salesman stuff attached to it. What do you, what is a better word for it though? Like, you know, when you pick up certain ones and they like the junior, for instance, and it's like, this has that thing. I don't know if there's a better term for it than mojo. You know, mojo. I think mojo is probably the perfect word. <laughs> <laughs> it just it doesn't need to be said. Um, just think it. Just this, think yeah, just, it. Like you a, know, just like a knowing glance. <laughs> I, I always am just mojo. like, yo, something's something's up with this one. You know, I'm just like, I'm like, oh, this one's possessed. This one's awesome. This one's woo. This, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I ever say anything that's like coherent. Um, it's a lot of just looks like, you know, we plug a guitar in and just hit a, hit a power chord or a big open chord and look at each other and be like, oh man. And then that's it. You know what I mean? It's not like, God, I go online and I talk about him and I type up these sentences and I feel like such an absolute nerd. I last like four minutes in any online guitar group because I am not trying to put some sort of hierarchy to people that appreciate these instruments, but like as touring musicians, um, the main point of wanting to have these is like, I want to play all these all across the country. Like we want to go out there with these guitars, not like you're safer one to bring, like we'll bring them into the hotel room at night, stick them next to the bed. Um, and that's my appreciation for them. Like the people that just own 40 and they're inside their house and like, they might get together for the Skype jam in quarantine. That's just like, I don't think I'll ever be that person on the same level, you know? Um, so I am impressed with some of these freaks guitar collections though, that I see, <laughs> you know, they've never played a show. And it's just like, I'm like, God, dude, really? You got a 54 gold top. Unreal. <laughs> hey i mean if it makes you happy i'm all for it i'm all for people being happy don't take it the wrong way i just <laughs> don't necessarily want to talk about the guitars oh i just like i try and then after like a week i'm like wow i'm like an absolute nerd i pretend i'm oh, not yeah we all are that's uh i mean this entire podcast it's, yeah, <laughs> it exists because because there's nerds that want to talk about guitars, and uh, I'm one the of them. Ner the nerdcast, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of online guitar groups, uh, I have a Facebook group around this show, and I told them that you guys were coming on, and I got a couple questions for you. Cool. So, uh, Dylan Clay, he says to ask them about the collab pedal uh, with Mister Black. How did that come about? And 
uh, how did you guys decide to do such a split or do a split with such a heavy band like Portrayal of Guilt? <laughs> um, there was, and you know, as anybody that pays attention to Portland, insane amount of pedal builders here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just so many brands, and I think I bought. I was headed to a show at Holocene and I bought the ambiance when Mr. Black was originally doing that circuit. Um, I plugged it onto, I put it onto my pedal and I set it all crazy. And when I hit that pedal on during this one part of this song on the inside at the ending, it was like the whole room burned to the ground. Like it really felt that way to us. And we went, whoa, this brand's crazy and this pedal's insane. And we started buying like, double chorus the super moon i settled on the blood moon being like a constant yes pedal oh, for my board yeah, the, blood the best the best, the best sounding reverb circuit in my opinion um but when uh levesque who used to work at chicago music exchange before they royally messed up and and parted ways with him um he was like i want to do a pedal with y'all He's like, wanna do it through Chicago Music Exchange. And we were like, how? What? Us? Okay. Um, what do you want to do? What companies? I know them all. And we just thought, like, well, Mr. Black in Portland. He's like, Yeah, I can call that guy. And I was like, Why'd they stop making the ambiance? He's like, I don't know. And we're like, Well, ask him if he'll do that. He said, Yes, we came up with new art for it. We had forgotten to put Mr. Black on the pedal. <laughs> um, <Uh-oh. laughs> it was a total accident and it never even got brought up like just they were done so quick jack's like the fastest in the game um and that was probably the coolest thing we've ever done yeah that was uh that was super rad i remember when that came out i i know jack really well and we talk all the time uh i was actually there helping him put some stuff together here recently but yeah, I was there when the, all that unfolded. I was like in the office. He's like, oh, I guess we're going to do a, a pedal with soft kill. I'm like, dude, those guys are cool. And he's like, oh, I, I'm like, he does. Jack only listens to hip hop. So like. That's not entirely true. But uh, he, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not super familiar. And he listened to it. And he's like, oh, this is tight. And um, I was like, dude, these guys are really cool. I think this is going to do really well. And he, you know, he just wasn't as familiar as I was, I think he is now. Um, but uh, yeah, it was kind of it was kind of a weird side of the coin to be on because I was like, I I just found out about you guys and been listening for a while, and then he was like, oh yeah, this band Softkill. I'm like, what? This is crazy. So that was yeah, really it was really cool. To see. We so we don't get we've God we do so much stuff ourselves, and I pride ourselves in this in the sense that. The opportunities like that that come to us come because people are genuinely interested in uh, doing something with us. And when, you know, mm-hmm. LeVac wanted to do something and we were able to connect those dots and, and incorporate uh, Jack and that, like that was, that was organic and it was very cool. We were very like, no complaints. There's so much stuff that happens in the music industry. If you don't play in a band, we're like the, the majority of these big posts that you see on the internet, this is just like people doing favors for each other with absolutely no passion involved. Um, we were so passionate about that pedal that when we got it and held it in our hands, it was just like, and our fan base responded the same way. They're like, what, how, 
Um, and it was just, yeah, just such a cool moment. And, uh, we're actually, it hasn't been announced yet. We're doing more. So Chicago music exchange is not in the picture now with it, but, um, you know, how this came about this, this nerd cast that we're doing right now. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I had hit up Mr. Black and been like, can we just do more? Can we like, just keep doing this pedal? Um, so we've got another run of those coming and they're going to be available some online and some at this retail location that we're doing called RIP city. That's at 5916 North Greeley. Uh, that'll be opening soon. It's just going to be like an emporium of all of the weird crap that we're into from music to, you know, boutique effects, just carrying stuff probably that Portland doesn't have at its disposal to try out, you know? Yeah, that was actually another question in here. Andrew Spann wanted to talk about how that, like, how you decided to do that and, like, what we, what exactly can we expect? Obviously, pedals and probably some <laughs> rad t shirts, but what else? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the way it came about is we drove by this space that had a for rent sign and we said, let's rent that place and open a store. <laughs> and then, literally within 48 hours, we had done it and we were like, oh my God, we've made a great big mistake. This is like, <laughs> this is terrifying. This is a um, lot of work. This is a lot of work and very scary and it costs money. Um, the store. So we do an insane amount of merch. We sell uh, t-shirts and records and every other ridiculous thing we can come up with. Hand over fist. 24 uh, seven. It's what keeps this band afloat. Um, our impromptu leader my partner nicole is just like in a fight with the manager of the post office every single day dropping you know another <laughs> 200 packages off and we were like you know god we need a space to do we need more space for mail order because we're sharing the office is in the, the practice demo studio whatever it is they're just like kind of trampling on top of one another we're like god if we just moved the office for this stuff and all of the stock to a different space and we could attach a retail side of that what a flex that would be for a band and what a cool experience that would be if you were a fan of the band you know totally. um and it it's, turns out like all you gotta have is money and these people will let you do whatever you want so we just like gave this guy money and he gave us this store and it'll <laughs> it's gonna have record it's gonna have all the soft kill stuff, exclusive things only available at the store. Uh, we we're just scratching the surface with like what we think we're going to carry boutique pedal wise. It'll be, uh, it's not going to be a typical guitar store in that aspect. There'll be an amp, a Strat and a Les Paul probably, or bring your guitar and you can try out pedals um, in front of us awkwardly. Um, but <laughs> trying to have stuff that, um, you know that that again that you that you can go online and watch a video a million times a day. Um, nothing's like just plugging in and seeing what your touch and approach to guitar can do with something. So totally. trying to grab like there's there's a couple brands in particular that I that I think we want to try reaching out to, and then just curated other stuff, oddities, stuff that's in my house that I don't want that I want to bring over there and sell. Stuff that Conrad has he's trying to get rid of like tapes and records and things and. Um, 
just a place for us just to connect with people because we have such a big fan base here being hometown. Um, we feed off that, you know, it's especially without shows right now. I think that's a really fun idea. I mean, like, I'm excited to come check it out. It's even cooler because it is local to me. It makes it easier, but I'm, like, super jazzed. I'm secretly hoping that there's, like, a stash of those uh, Enchanted Forest-themed uh, soft kill hoodies somewhere. There um, very well might be. <laughs> as I've been like, oh, I should have bought one of those. I love the Enchanted Forest. And a little soft kill. It's a perfect marriage. It turns out that that went completely over people's heads. And they were like, what's up with like the King Arthur hoodie? (laughs) Oh, man, I see it. I knew immediately. I have an Enchanted Forest hoodie that that I wear all the time. So does Conrad. Um, (laughs) I brought my kid there recently. He was not having it. First of all, too much cardio for a three-year-old. Second of (laughs) all, every ride is scary, except for like two of the little kid ones. But... Yeah, we try to do a bunch of stuff that's focused on Portland, um, Enchanted Forest, even like the garbage company here. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff in the works, too, that's pretty ridiculous. Obviously, the Blazers stuff Blazers. that we do. Mm-hmm. Proud to be um, here, you know, no matter where we're from, like proud to, to live here now. And um, obviously, the new record is so about this place and people that ended up here too so um portland used to have a lot of bands that were really going crazy and doing it and we still kind of do but i feel like it's it's fun to give people like a home team kind of vibe to root for you know if you do like the band like we're just unashamedly like portland is awesome it's not the greatest place in the world but it's better than dayton ohio (laughs) <laughs> that's the motto <laughs> you know no offense dayton. we're better than we're better than dayton <laughs> yeah you gotta have realistic you gotta have realistic standards with this stuff you know what i mean like i'm not trying to be like bro have you been to heaven no portland you have you have been to heaven um depends no. on where you eat yeah okay here's a better one portland better than seattle Ah, uh, yeah, I'm down with that. <laughs> no Boom. offense, Seattle listeners. <laughs> I love that there was some better. some some like resistance on saying it was better than Dayton, which is like, what up, Dayton? But Seattle immediately tossed into the sea. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yeah, get rid of it. No, I love my Seattle people, but I if I had to pick one of the two bigger, you know, well, Seattle's a lot bigger in Portland, but two major Pacific Northwest. You know, cities. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm being. I'm gonna be in PDX. For Seattle. Sure. Seattle never feels like a like home when I'm there. I've no. lived in Seattle. It never feels like a place I can get comfortable in. Um, and I love Seattle people too. They're all welcome here as they slowly move here one by one. Like, you know, hit me up for the good rental opportunities. Um, <laughs> like, but yeah, I don't. It just feels like Seattle's kind of becoming unobtainable. Gotta have so much money. Sad. It's a sad situation. Um, and Portland just has the better bands historically. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Yeah. Right? I just, you know, he <laughs> ended the wipers and Poison Idea and Dead Moon alone. It's like, really? I know Nirvana. <laughs> I get it. But like, my mom knows about Nirvana and likes Nirvana. You know, like, it's, it's at this point like the Beatles of that generation, but like 
Portland was the underdog and like it shows in the, a lot of the music and I dig that. And it doesn't feel like the underdog anymore. Um, comparatively, but it used to be like that bands played Seattle and then didn't play Portland and then went to San Francisco. And if you're ranted, you still do for whatever reason. They can't, they yeah. can't seem to come to Portland. I don't know why. <laughs> rancid. What up Lars? Come on, Lars. <laughs> you know? Lars on the show, by the way, I'll ask him yeah. when he gets here. <laughs> no, I, I rancid. Rancid. It's, you know, I liked them when I was a kid and then it wasn't cool to like rancid cause they weren't punk enough. And then, um, now that I look back on it, I'm just like, God, you know, they were like, totally doing their own thing and like doing a really good job of it. Um, I'm not going to listen to uh, Ruby Soho ever again, necessarily. Um, but I like, I am inspired by all of these bands that are like years down the line, so established, unapologetically, exactly who they want to be. Um, and, you know, it took me a long time to realize that The Clash were one of the greatest bands ever. And they clearly figured that out really young. It's true. It's true. Well, you know, we still got a couple things to go over and we've hit that hour mark. Uh, And I feel like if I don't ask this question on top of all of the last things I got to wrap up here, I'll be in real bad trouble with everybody. Uh, Uh, And so I don't want to I don't want to do that. But so what is this going to be? Well, I mean, this shouldn't be too shocking. Uh, Eric Signer, he he said he's excited for this episode. One of his favorite bands. He wants you guys to go through your boards, and we probably better do that before we wrap things up. Uh, Conrad, at least, go. At least right now, you know, as they are at, in this moment. I know that's ever changing. Yeah. yeah, it's ever changing. I guess it's kind of, um, it kind of feels like it's more, it's, it's staying the same more and more in the last uh, year or so. It's like, you, you know, you have like the few things that you kind of need. Um, you know, everybody in the band has a blood moon, you know, um, that's kind of like, uh, that's a, that's Mando. Um, but, uh, I usually cycle through a few, uh, fuzzes or, or, or drives or whatever distortion pedals. Um, I can never really find exactly what I'm looking for in that, in that realm. Um, I think right now I have, a a rat um but it's a jhs modded rat it's got some switches on it and i don't know what they did to it but it sounds better than a regular rat or whatever um i always uh but i'm always searching i uh toby what's the uh what's the tone bender clone that i just got what's that guy's name blamo blamo electronics um i just got one of his fuzz pedals and um I like it so far, so that's probably going to go in in the chain somewhere. Um, a couple delays. I always have at least I have a, a digital and an analog delay kind of going at different settings. Um, and that's pretty much it. All right. What are those delays, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I've had the same delays for as long as I can remember, I have a, a DD six and, um, and a Strymon. Um, what is that thing called? The gray one. 
El Capistan. That's like mm. kind of the tape delay. Yes. That's that's a like a company or I feel like there's a lot of companies like this where like um that pedal can do so much. Uh but you know, I find like the one thing that I like that it does and I'm like, "Oh, that's what that pedal does," you know. Um I don't like I'm not like on my knees like messing around with knobs on my pedal board. I you know, it's like I find the one thing that each little box does well or that I like and I just leave it. Good philosophy. I like that. I think that's it. That's I think that's pretty much all all I have on on my board right now. All right. There's another person who has to chime in. I don't think that either of us, uh, I was muted and I was like, God, I can't even get Conrad pissed off. I was like, What's going on? Um, no, he, he and I, he and I both, um, relate in that, that like, God, dude, some of these pedals, like we buy these really fancy, beautiful, amazing things capable of so much and do absolutely nothing with them. So it'll be like one little setting and it's like, that's it. That's that sweet spot. I um, had a, I had a chase bliss warped vinyl, Blake, do you know what you have one of those? You know that pedal? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a perfect example of like, I found like a chorus setting that I liked on that pedal, <laughs> and that's what I used it for. And it's like, it's a $400 thing with all the dip switches and all that stuff. Like, I, I, I just was like, oh, this is a cool, this is a good chorus pedal. You know, it's like, I, that's, so, not, yeah, what, no, that's, I don't, that's not what that pedal is, is it? I, like, I don't know what it, I, it was really cool, but. Yeah, yes. I mean it does a, it does a lot of things. Yeah, but yeah. I mean if course is what you needed it for, then there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, so it's important. Let me preface this by saying that uh, my uncle Elwood Francis, who is known for uh, being Billy Gibbons guitar tech of the last twenty five whatever years, he gave us two PV classics from the nineties. And mm -hmm. at first, those amps are so underrated and sound so good that um, they were staple parts of our sound. And I felt like anything that we put through them, that there was, they were the perfect platform for that. You know what I mean? Um, the classic 30 or the classic 50? The 50s. 50s. He, and 50s. Conrad played a 15 and I played a 410. And God, man, those amps are, those, those amps are, are the business. Um, so, God, did I mute myself again? No, I can hear you. Okay, cool. Good. <laughs> so, um, initially, if you've seen me play guitar live, I played more often than not that that '58 reissue of the Gretsch hollow body with painted f holes. So, just like this hollow box, and I would go into a bunch of stuff. Um, usually, some sort of uh, some sort of boost most recently the little the little ep boost um mm -hmm. such an integral i try to use to some degree stuff that like you know when it gets destroyed by customs you can just go to even a music store in poland and find it um and then into like a tube screamer um a lot of times it was a tube screamer. I was really into the plumes by Earthquaker Devices for a while. Uh, I think that's a great sounding of pedal. And then um, and I was using the Acapulco Gold by Earthquaker for like the big fuzzy stuff. That I got over that pedal because I really feel like it sucks out all the dynamics of your sound. Um, mm -hmm. 
And then I went into the Mr. Black double chorus forever. Um, into revolving cast of delays till I realized that the DD5 was just it. Um, and then into a blood moon and then into, uh, bef- you know, a bunch of different for big expansive reverbs. And then I initially, when we got the, the soft kill version of the ambiance, like that became home, but that's changed. So recently I am now really simplified and I'm playing third guitar in the band. Um, so Ryan Nichols, our new guitar player, is doing my part. He's using a very similar um, effects board that I used. And I'm just doing a 55 Les Paul Jr. into a Paradox Effects Futura, which is a Tijuana-based company. And it's a really interesting chorus pedal. It's very; It can sound very transparent. Um, and it has a bit of a boost in it, so it fattens your tone up into the Blood Moon. And I go directly into a 1960 Tweed Deluxe and crank it to 10, and then I use my volume nub. And that's it. There you go. That's all you that's need. It's hard to argue with. Yeah, simple. That's a funny coincidence. Is uh, I Actually, yes, I should talk about this before we sign off. Uh, we're giving away a Tweed Deluxe kit. I just posted that right before we hopped on to record. Hey! So that's still going <laughs> on because this is coming out next Monday, so it will still be going on. So go check that post out. That I was not planning on plugging that, but you know, you said Deluxe and the, the opportunity was there. So that, there we go. That was like one of those recent ones where uh, one popped up we uh will it thunder road let us borrow it for a session and then it was like i got this 59 gretsch jet firebird you want that and then we did a trade and that's one of those keepers that we were talking about and then i've also got to shout out uh sour sound yeah local Mm -hmm. builder we just got an amp that i think he built for somebody that was in the shins um it's a 212 it's Everybody was like, it's an AC-30, and it's apparently, as he explained it to me, I probably can't even recite this. It was like, the sentence would make sense, and then it would go into, he'd be like, it's a twin, but not at all. And it was went into this <laughs> long thing. But it was just like the most, just, it has one of the cleanest, fattest distortions, but I guess it's got something Fender-related uh, from the twin realm as like in the preamp or something i don't know it's a absolute powerhouse top three amps i've ever heard in my entire life and another example of portland just having like the best builders of all this stuff yeah we also have uh i mean we both both, oh. of, us, both of us have the sour sound uh hundred dollar boost which is an incredible oh, the hundred dollar boost dude and did you did you shout out wang no i didn't oh yeah um yeah, Wang Amplifiers uh, hooked us up with a. I don't remember if what the name of the. I think yours uh, I is called. It's a one of one, yeah. and it's like a forty-five watt two twelve. So maybe their version of a pro, almost kind of a yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and it's, it's called. Amp. It doesn't matter what it's called because there's only one of them. I don't think um, it has a name on the on the faceplate. I think it but, just says Wang. I think it's a supernova. Oh, yeah, that's right. Supernova. Yeah. Okay. So, 
And then, but he makes a Pulsar and a Quasar, and those are some of the best sounding amps built locally too. Just like to the point, he understands the science of it. You know, for for bands like us that, you know, the the Benson is obviously like the big name company in town. Those amps sound great, but there's just a ton of people here. Um, Chris was are, actually telling me about the Wang amps. Oh, so, they're so good. Yeah, he was like, "Dude, these are these are legit." I'm like, "Okay." All right. They yeah. sound awesome. Really His good. Quasar is like, you can get like the nastiest deluxe tone out of it. Uh, they've got like a cool voltage controller thing on the back. Um, and he just, they're just beautiful amps. And he got us that amp. Reminds me, I still got to pay that guy. Shout out Wang. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but for, for like a song, like it was super cheap. Um, God, I sound like my grandfather i paid it for, i got it for a song um <laughs> great amp. hey songs can be expensive <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah um so he's using that we're trying to at some point i'm hoping that we can just use if it's not vintage it will be portland built um because we gotta we gotta stick together out here since hopefully we'll be our own country soon Along with California, <laughs> no, they can stay out of it. We're right. we're independent. That's yeah, right. they they absolutely better because they're coming That's up here right. and they're they're raising heck, and we don't want you here. <laughs> we love you. Well, a couple, there's a couple of you. There's a few of you that can come up here, but not we all love of California. You. One of the best places to play. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, I got a couple classic questions, and then we'll wrap up this uh, main section of the podcast. What do you say? Cool. Cool. All right. Okay. First off is a pretty easy one. What's your favorite boss pedal? Oh, wow. Um, you know, lately, I guess I would just say the DD5. It's my favorite of those little delays that they do. And I'll, I've got like a J, another JHS modded one that I think has been edited or like edited, ugh, modded <laughs> to have kind of a tape effect to have like some kind of dirtying of the repeats. Uh, that's my favorite one. Cool. Yeah. You know, I, I like the, a lot of the DD, like the DD three, DD six, DD five. I think a lot of those have like their own kind of character or whatever, but there's like a, there's an older. Um, so I think it was called a PS three. It's like a pitch shifter mm -hmm. delay, but then, Oh, like the, the aqua one it's yeah. And then, they uh they when they upgraded it like whatever the ps5 or whatever um they got rid of the delay function and they just like ruined it but I, it's either the ps2 or the ps3 that it's like what are you going to do with that pitch shifting like you can step on it and like raise it up four octaves or whatever and make it squeal or, <laughs> but there, it had like a really cool delay on it that i always really liked but those are kind of hard to find because they like yeah, yeah. The PS3. circuit. Yeah, that's that one gets brought up a lot on here. Yeah, like a lot. That's a, lot. a cool pedal. Because that one's hard to find. We're gonna go with the Wazacraft Metal Zone. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I actually have not played one of those, but I heard it was awesome. So okay, I, give it a try. <laughs> I just think I just associate Wazacraft with being like the fancy version of Boss, and I think that the fact that there's a Wazacraft tuner and a Wazacraft Metal Zone makes my uneducated you know brain chuckle <laughs> i don't understand the tuner i'm not gonna lie 
but I've, <laughs> it says I've, I've heard good on it. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've heard good things about the uh, the metal zone, so I'll reserve judgment until I get to play one. But shout out Swasa. Shout out Boss. You know, yeah. I ask that question on every episode, not thinking like, "Hey, why are they not sponsoring this podcast? What's going on here?" Now, where are you I'm all gonna at? Sh- I'm going to shoot Yoshi a DM right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't know who you are. Block. <laughs> he, um, he does. I accidentally almost stole his car at Nam one time, but that's ooh. a different story. Um, what? Okay. <laughs> that the listeners have heard that story a million times. I can tell you guys later. All right. Uh, I forgot to do one thing that I usually do before that, uh, before we get into the very final and uh, very difficult, controversial section of the podcast. But before oh we do God. that, oh my God. this is your chance to. Say whatever you want to say. You can put up a billboard if you got a message you want to get out to a few thousand people. Now's a good time to do just that. Yo, can I take this? Okay, Conrad, I'm going to say it. (laughs) All right. Bands, stop signing to record labels. Stop letting them steal your money. Self-release. Own yourself. Own your future. Think of your kids or your kids-to-be. Do it. It's Thank the you greatest so thing much. that will ever happen to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for saying that. I've been saying it for a long time, but I'm not in a band, so that doesn't mean anything to anybody. You will but, actually make money. You can sell 10 records and you will make more money than you do if you sell 500. That's how it works. You know, so go true. crazy. If you're scared to invest in yourself, I hate to be the guy that's like, then you should, probably shouldn't be doing this. You know, but it's it's getting to that point. Small businesses rule. Your band is a small business. Think of it that way. And if you want to talk about it more, you can come to 5916 North Greeley, RIP City, opening before Christmas and chop it up with us. And we'll give you all of our input and all of our insight and experience, you know, over a cup of coffee. Oh man, thank you so much for saying that. That that is something that people need to hear. I mean, yeah, I could go off on that, but that's probably all that needs to be said at this point. Yeah. <laughs> that was wonderful. All right. Final section of the podcast. Here we go. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Hmm. My favorite pizza is uh Chicago style. Not deep dish, but fills. So south side, um, just cross cut, you know, into the little squares, party cut. Um, fills or, or fills is my spot on 35th. That's my favorite pizza. Or if I want to eat trash, Papa Gino's in New England. So I'm originally a New England kid. So shout out Papa Gino's. <laughs> I don't even think there's sauce. It's just like <laughs> as thin as a piece of paper. But that's it. Conrad? Uh, I mean, New York, like a New York slice walking down the street will always be my favorite. Um, you know, a paper Raise plate. On Max. Um, there's, you know, uh, Vinny's on on Bedford was 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 one of my spots back in the day. Um, I also I really love ranch in in Portland. Ranch PDX is uh, ranch PDX is amazing. Made, I haven't had that. Oh man, it's great. I've, I've heard it's good, but I'm resistant to the idea of the the fact that they're promoting ranch on pizza. I know they don't 
exclusively put ranch on pizza. Yeah, what's wrong with that? But it does come on the side. It does come on the side. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not down with the ranch. I know, but you don't got to be. Yeah, they don't put it on for you. It's just you can you can you can leave it off. You know, I want to. I do want to shout out like one of my favorite Portland spots right now, and you guys should definitely hit them up. I'm hitting them up tomorrow, actually. Uh, Demos. It's a relatively newcomer, relative newcomer to the area, but oh, oh wow, what's it called? Demos. 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 Never heard of it. Huh. It's in where uh, the building where Burnside Brewing used to be, mm-hmm. and uh, it is insane. I actually found it because they have supposedly the best sandwiches in Portland. I haven't tried those yet, but their pizza is amazing. It's like New Haven style. We have a lot of good pizza good. in Portland. You say you New do? Haven style. You from Connecticut, kid? No, not me. I'm okay. I'm I'm born and raised uh, right around here. All right, that's what's up. Um, yo, is Mississippi pizza still the worst pizza in Portland? Oh, no comment. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. There's a, there's a place in St. John's that I, I have not named publicly, but it's terrible. Okay, well, <laughs> man. It's actually so bad that I would I would just eat the I would I would just take the toppings off and throw the rest in the garbage because it was terrible. This is the worst crust I've ever had. Wow. Yeah. yeah, one of the two pizza places in St. John's, it, he's talking about you. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> You're listening. Some guys freaking noodling on a strat behind by the oven. Being like, oh, man, mama mia. <laughs> <laughs> Maya pizza. <laughs> oh, man. This was amazing. Thank you guys for coming on. This was, this was awesome. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you for making our dreams come true to talk about this stuff to anybody but each other. <laughs> hey, you got my number anytime. <laughs> cool. I'm around. <laughs> All right, everybody. For Tobias and Conrad, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Okay. What an episode that was. That was a ton of fun. And let me tell you, the Patreon section was awesome because we dove right into the nitty-gritty business stuff about why you don't need a label, in their opinion, which was really, really fun. It's great to get that kind of messaging out there. I know a lot of you, well, everyone that listens to this, I'm assuming, is a musician of some sort, and, you know, sometimes we tend to get stuck in the old ways of doing things, and that's part of what I'm discussing over on that text app as well. So if you want to be a part of that conversation, you can text me at 503-751-8577 and we will get into some of that stuff. Additionally, if you want to hear that Patreon conversation, you can go to patreon.com slash tone mob and for five bucks a month, you will get additional episodes beamed to your ears every week. I think this one's like 45 minutes. So there's a ton more content over there if you're able to support and a huge shout out to all the Patreon supporters for doing just that. It literally helps so, so much. I can't even tell you. So huge shout out to everyone who downloads this podcast. Please share it with your friends. Please tell somebody you think might like it. Anything, 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 please spread the word. It helps so much. The more people listen, the cooler things that we can do, the bigger guests we can get, the further this pirate ship will travel. So please tell your friends, tell your family, tell anyone, and let's get those downloads coming. All right. Thank you so much. Talk to you guys next time. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you 
that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.